Welcome to episode 12 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and today with me is my co-host, Matt Mueller. Yay, yay. And from behind the camera today, we're bringing him up front, it's producer, Jim Viscardi. What, what? And today, guys, we have a special show where we're going to take a little bit more of a focus for this kind of show because we have something big to talk about, which is, of course, the release of Captain Marvel, which is going to be hitting theaters right about when you hear this podcast. And so we're going to have a lot to kind of talk about that today. But, you know, in fairness to the other side of the fandom, we're also going to be doing a bunch of DC breakdown because there is some big things happening on the DC side right now. And... As per uh, producer Jim Viscardi over here, we have something special for you guys. <laughs> something just breaking that I think you'll like because it has to do with Avengers Endgame. So stay tuned with us. Uh, if you want to listen to the show, you can always find it on the site, comicbook.com. We have an RSS feed where you can subscribe. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio. Subscribe any of those places. And when you do, be sure to leave us a great review. Because I'll tell you why at the end of the show, when we do something fun for uh, all our fans who are leaving some great reviews out there. And we thank you for that. Now, that said, let's get into it. So uh, we're going to be talking about Captain Marvel at the end because we're going to do a whole deep dive into that. So let's start with DC today. Some big things happening over on the DC side in both the movie universe and the TV universe. Let's start with TV. Arrow is coming to an end. Uh, Yeah, man, it's crazy. Like, just... Just as soon as we launched this last show, Stephen Amell's like, (laughs) oh, nice episode. Hey, here's one. Arrow's coming to an end next season. So next season, which will be season eight. Season eight. It gets 10 episodes, and that's going to wrap it up for Arrow. And um, this was shocking to a lot of fans, but not like so many. I mean, there's also a group of fans like our own kind of DC TV team here at comicbook.com that would just kind of pull in a Nicky Fink, like, told you so, because uh, I know Russ Burlingame, who is like head of our DC TV universe team here, um, has been predicting that, yeah, Stephen Amell would be kind of moving on from Arrow and the show itself would be done uh, next year There's our, or in the upcoming Crisis crossover, mm-hmm. which will be, I think, isn't that the next big one, That's for, the, big one. for the next fall, right? Yep. Yeah, so Crisis, which you know has been built up since The Flash started, well, they'll have a big Crisis event and then you know it'll be a much reordered DC TV universe that comes out of the other end is what we're beginning to see and that'll begin with Arrow ending. The the craziest part of this all is like I don't think we would have gotten to where we are today with as much like superhero TV if Arrow didn't work. Like if Arrow season 2 I agree. did not work in the way that that it did, which is arguably probably the best season of Arrow. Yeah, I mean still stand, yes, Arrow season 2 especially the back half yep. stands up as probably the best season. Like like we would not have gotten the other CW DC shows. Like it wouldn't have we wouldn't have gotten the Arrowverse like it had its yeah. own freaking name, um, but like I feel like that show opened up a lot of doors to show what superhero stuff on TV could look like. Yeah, and it did. I mean, season two is notable if you're not familiar with Arrow because they brought in Slade Wilson, Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. This this whole storyline about Mirakuru, which was this drug that gave people basically superpowers and made them Captain America. It was like a super soldier serum, yep. and that was when Arrow finally like really jumped from just trying to be like street level dark Batman to kind of embracing the more fantastical superhero stuff. And when that did work and people really embraced it, it did open the door for the flash, which then opened the door for basically everything with it. It's just funny. Cause <laughs> yeah, they jumped like, so hard from arrow. Cause like, especially where arrow started. Yeah. And then you see how just that second season was like, okay, we can do the flash now. One yeah. of the most like 
polar opposite characters oh, yeah. and, and rogue galleries and all that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's coming to an end. I think there's a lot of people in the fandom who would probably say, you know, it's time mm-hmm. to put this one out to pasture. I'm still an Arrow fan. I still watch every week and I still, but I watch it because now like I'm just one of those invested. fans. Like are you, yeah. you're, you're seven invested? years yeah, in. Yeah, because I'm seven like, years oh. in and I, and I just like to see my old familiar <laughs> friends come along across my TV screen every week. But yeah. So, I mean, I'm be excited to see kind of how things evolve, especially with DC Universe now, yep. kind of gaining steam slowly but surely. Um, yeah, so R.I.P. Arrow. Well, we'll be covering and everything that happens on that front and whatever, and what it means for the other shows and all of that. So stay tuned. The other thing that's happening is on the movie side, we got an update Ooh, about boy. the Suicide Squad. Uh, James Gunn's uh, kind of soft reboot of Suicide Squad. The and Suicide Squad. Yeah, we said we said the we oh, put right. the the in there. Um, yeah, I'm sure, I hope they make that a joke, by the way. Are we some sort of Suicide Squad? I'd be like, no, we're the Suicide Squad. Um, but uh, yeah, Idris Elba is replacing Will Smith as Deadshot in the DCEU. Just Luther's got, in the DCEU. Just got yeah. Terrence Howard. <laughs> yeah, they just were like, well, let's just handsome this up a bit and like throw a little bit of better acting behind it. And uh, here I'm we so go. I, I liked Will Smith. I like Will Smith Deadshot too. I love him too. I'm just but that, Elba. That's more of a black actor joke about black actors <laughs> taking other black actors. But uh, I'm, but I'm down for this. Yeah, like, I'm down for that too. I don't think anybody. I mean, this is like the one time we've had a DC casting where everybody's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. all right, yeah. Like, I mean, Elba stood out in this Christmas. Yeah. Right. Like it doesn't matter what movie he's in. And he's already it's becoming just, a super yeah. villain in Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, like he's, he's awesome. I mean, he's I mean doing everything. He's cutting records. He's making rap videos. Like, so this this is the first everything. main like big switcheroo that we've had post Yeah. Some people would argue how big big means, but like yes. I mean de- yeah. I mean Deadshot. I mean yeah. if it was like Slipper Snyder era. That's a movie lead. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest one. Yeah. They're doing the whole Don Cheadle Terrence Howard thing. So like yeah. Yeah, but that was actors, self. Man. Okay, well, we'll get I will no, say, we're not going to get too deep. There, there is, there is kind of, kind of breaking news or breaking news as yeah. it's happening. There is the rundown of other characters that should be appearing in this. Yeah, I've got I was going to get to that. Wanna, basically, say, it? I mean, yeah, if you want to take people through, I mean, you can. They're not going to know who any of these people yeah, are like, because they, James Gunn is basically rumored to be picking like the most obscure, which characters. is awesome. Yeah, because he's just going to kill them. Yeah, but like I read this list. I'm just going to go through the list really quickly. So, uh, Ratcatcher. King Shark, which is okay, fine. We know who King Shark is. King Shark's a biggie. Polka Dot Man uh, and Peacemaker, right? Like I get it. James okay. Gunn. James Gunn takes obscure characters and and makes big deals out of them. Th- those are obscure characters. Yeah, but this is a movie. Like you have to remember, this is a movie where half the fun could be James Gunn horribly murdering. That's true. Like polka dot rat catcher yeah. could be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> if so rat catcher is not the slipknot of this movie, like. I, I'm so looking forward to that. Like, I didn't think I would. Uh, just seeing Idris Elba's Deadshot try to deal with all of these, like, B-list crazy people. Like, I think it, I mean, I just always want to wait and see because it's James Gunn. There, there has to be another shoe that's going to drop with this. That's true. And this makes like, me want. It's just weird when you put, like, Deadshot and Harley Quinn, theoretically, we're assuming Harley Quinn is coming back in this, yeah. next to those characters. Like, it just feels like you went from, you have two fairly A-list characters to the the F-list. But I mean, that's kind of like, if you look at the first Suicide Squad, it's not like Captain Boomerang outside of comics is a, people look at him as a D-list character. Who the hell is that? Like He doesn't belong yeah. next to Deadshot. To us, yes, he's got history. Right. But I would say 
half that cast outside of Killer Croc. No. They don't know Katana. Like they don't. No, they, no. Katana got definitely got a way more mainstream attention thanks to the DC superhero girls. Girls, stuff. yes, but, yeah, but I don't like, think when that movie came out, yeah. I don't think it yeah. was up there. They I don't looked think we, at I them. Mean, like I don't think we need to get too crazy on this because right. I still think, like I said, it's James Gunn. Like it's it could almost be like a red shirt. Going to be joke. This, yeah. Like if you see <laughs> that on one not. side of a room, you see like. Deadshot and Harley Quinn and maybe hey, like you want to see Ratcatcher in the, the Suicide Squad I too. See, I wanna what you see want to see him do what Gail Simone did for Catman. Like I want to see that. No. Well, I want we'll him say. to take these characters and make something. All right. Well, we'll let it to the people. Let us know what you think about this selection. Is it too weird? Do you think something great's coming out of it? Hashtag Comic Book Nation. We're gonna keep it. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna keep it moving on. We're gonna talk a little bit about. We were gonna talk about some shakeups in the Warner Brothers executives, but I think we're just gonna save time and move past <laughs> yeah. that. Because, yeah. Uh, head of Warner Brothers, the guy who's supposed to be turning around the DCEU, that's getting shaky. So uh, mm. we're just going to move past that one. He may about, not have a job by the time. Yeah, so exactly. Out, so. so let's talk about Batman because um, that's going to still happen regardless. And we're hearing <laughs> there was a rumored list of people who could play the new Batman. I'll go through it. Jack Rayner from uh, the guy from Transformers 4 with the gross Romeo Juliet laws. Alexander Ludwig, the guy from The Hunger Games. Jack O'Connell, the guy from... Um, uh, God, listen, he was in that Angelina Jolie movie, whatever that was called, about the soldier. I forget what it's called. But uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who was Quicksilver in it, uh, Age of, of Ultron, and Nicholas Holt, who's Beast in the current X-Men movies. Yeah. Hopefully it's anyone but those last two. Okay, yeah. I mean, Thank this you. list has already been disputed and kind yeah. of debunked. But this is these are names that are, I mean, and it is kind of fairly, it's hard to tell because these are names that come up fairly often. Right. But the, I think these names, if anything, give you an idea of, Potentially, who they're looking to cast from an age yeah. standpoint, uh, even from a from a look standpoint, uh, I think you know gives us uh, what I hope is, and it, this, it's not a Warner Brothers type thing to do. We get someone who's kind of a total surprise, uh, who doesn't necessarily have a ton of cachet. Because my thing with Batman is, Batman sells because he's Batman. It doesn't matter who Batman is. Like people are going to go out and see that movie. It it truly doesn't matter. And so I hope that like they just go with someone who no no one saw coming and doesn't have like five bo- big box office movies to his name. To be fair, we should add that you would get a ton of traffic out of that. Like we'd be that'd be a ton of a traffic generator if they do with people being like, "Who the hell is this?" and people freaking out about this. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> people I mean, are gonna freak, freak out, out no matter what. But yeah. like, yeah, total unknown. Trust me, I was live on air on a podcast when Jesse Eisenberg got cast as oh. Lex Luthor. <laughs> like in the middle of the podcast, it shut down everything and people freak out. That was amazing. So I mean, I for one love that stuff. So I'd like to see that happen too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this list is de- has been already kind of disputed. We still don't know. I'm sure we're going to find out in by the end of the year. Yep. We'll know something. Who knows? We'll see what happens at like Comic-Con and all those different events. But uh, yeah, I mean, I hope it's just somebody who's really good at playing like a young, slightly crazy looking guy who would be good. And I hope he doesn't look... And it's got to be somebody who looks young, like a young Bruce Wayne, but also doesn't look like baby Batman in the suit. I actually liked uh, on, the, on that list, I mean, whether it's, you know, that list ends up being disproven or not or whatever but i actually liked rainer on that list i thought he 
looked the part. Like I just like going through his images and stuff. I was like, okay, yeah, no, I he's all right. I like Taylor Johnson too, but like he doesn't. I mean, and I knew that's how I knew early yeah. on. Like Quicksilver was gonna die because that dude doesn't do franchises. He <laughs> never ever does franchises. He's like one of those actor actors who would get like spiraling and lost and end up in some like Dubai hotel room, like <laughs> trying to fly like Batman and shit. Like or, or I can't curse. Oh my god! Wow, that's the first curse on the podcast. Oh, oh my god! What do you think, you're J.K.? No, I don't. I'm just I'm tired today. I'm really Love tired. You, my brain's not. Like on full center mode, but anyway, I'm already spiraling in a hotel room of my own mind up here. So we're gonna keep it moving. I mean, I'm not thrilled by anybody on the list. I think, like Jim, I want to, I want to be surprised. Yeah, I'm cool with so, that. So, all right. So moving right along, that does it for uh, DC, I believe. Mm-hmm. And next, we got something special for you. Uh, Producer Jim Fitzcardi put this in special for you guys, the fans. A new Avengers Endgame. Footage description. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to put that on a shirt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That is the yeah, first, first comic book nation shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Footage, yeah. All right. So. God. I will read. You want me to read or Jim, do you want to do the honors? Go, yeah, go for it. Yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll set it up. Uh, so Disney held their annual shareholders uh, meeting. This is separate from their quarterly earnings calls. Uh, this one was held in St. Louis. They invite basically anyone and every, everyone who has a stock in Disney to come to come out. There's generally, uh, you know, there's a Q and A section uh, at the the end of it, but usually Bob Iger comes out and goes, "Look at all the cool stuff that we have." Part of the cool stuff that he had was footage that no one else has seen from Avengers Endgame. And so, what you know, normally it's like, oh, whatever, it's too. Do we know how many feet of it he brought? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just asking. Uh, I'm just, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> But like, so normally at any given day, oh whatever, it's new footage. But I mean, this is new footage for Avengers Endgame, a movie shrouded in secrecy that you know we know you know next to nothing about, other than the the first trailer and other random things we got from toys. And so this, to me, I, there's a bunch of stuff in this that could be cool, could not be cool. But anyway, do you want to read it or do you want me to do it? I got it. I'll right. do a dramatic reading of Here this, we go. Like Michael, Sh- Michael Shannon style. No, I'm just kidding. I'll just do it. As oh man! All right. <laughs> Here it is. The Avengers, sitting in the room from the first trailer. Captain Marvel is there. Nebula says that Thanos would go to the garden after his plan. Captain Marvel says they will go there and use the stones to undo it. Then Rocket, Thor, Nebula, Captain America, Rhodey, and Black Widow are in space, and Rocket says, who has never been in space before? Raise your hand. He then says, don't puke on my ship. The end. (laughs) <laughs> and this sounds, Very I mean, nice. from that, I mean, this sounds like exactly what we've been talking about. I mean, we've been talking heavily about on the show about the marketing for this Avengers Endgame and like Game of Thrones and what we do want to see and don't want to see. And this sounds like the kind of thing I want to see. It's like another just little oh. snippet of of section of story that that's still from the beginning, teasing like the build up to some kind of mission but doesn't really tell me anything. But, you know, this one seems a little less dark and a little more humorous while also kind of giving fans enough of a thrill from one, seeing Captain Marvel mm-hmm. with the Avengers and two, kind of having her say something like, we're going to use the stones to undo it, which will, of course, fuel, I mean, fans. And by fans, I mean us paid to, <laughs> to fuel these things into like a whole bunch of theories of, you know, what does that mean? What's their plan? What, how are they going to get to this? You know, you know, now we get a name for where Thanos might be. You know, there's all these little details. And this is such a Russo Brothers type 
of piece of footage that I can mm-hmm. think about and just <laughs> see it being something like yeah, real and like good. And like the perfect kind of thing for Marvel fans. And like I said, just enough of a tease without too much. So I hate that I'm, I'm accepting. I that. mean the the, inter- <laughs> the the interesting thing about this in this footage is Nebula's Neb- Nebula is part of this, right? So presumably yeah. Nebula and Tony have come back and have met up with the Earthbound Avengers and Tony is doing something. Maybe mm. something science broy, but yeah, I mean, like or, I said, or he could be dead by this point. But this, like I said, this is a perfect because there's so much speculation without really showing you or telling you anything at all. <laughs> I'm okay if he's dead. See, Tony could be dead at this point. I'm yeah. okay with that if that's happening. I'm sure. I'm, we'll, I'm sure we'll. I'm, I'm sure we'll live. explore that theory. <laughs> so many others, but that's that's what we got. Cap. The next uh, Avengers Endgame. Probably don't. Chan- don't. Chances are we'll probably we, uh, like. I won't push. Fingers it too crossed. Far. I'd love to get this in like the next trailer or something. I think this will be, be a big part of the next. Yeah. It'll probably honestly what be like one of the Super Bowl things where it's yeah, just a I quick think it's little just a spot. spot. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. spots. Just it doesn't spots need a trailer. The, the don't puke in my ship thing is just reeks of Marvel trailer. Yeah, that's a great line though. Yeah. That's great. All right, so the next Avengers Endgame spot, we'll call it <laughs> for the sake of everybody here. No, what's going to be good is when you start to say the word and then it just comes out. I hate that I accept it already. Like, oh, you your said it and I just, brains, ca- I just Your brain's already and I hate it. I hate myself I love for it. it. All right, well, stay tuned because we are going to get into a deep dive review of Captain Marvel. We'll do some non-spoiler first and then we'll get into the full spoilers discussion. Be here for that. Boilers. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right. So Captain Marvel out this week. And I think what's kind of exciting about Captain Marvel is this is the first Marvel movie where we weren't like 100% already guaranteed sure this was going to be a hit. There's been a lot of crazy stuff going into it with mm-hmm. the review bombing and people just tearing apart Brie Larson for some reason. I still don't get Brie Larson's been like the I most do. harmless thing. And they're like, oh, she's blinked. Oh, my God. Like <laughs> the arrogance on her. Keep your eyes open for the fans. Like, you know, it's it's getting crazy out there. But um, there was a lot of questions going into this. The way it had to be marketed was kind of we've been talking and mm-hmm. downright fighting about on this show for a while. Um but we've seen it. I saw it. Matt saw it. Did you see it? Yep. Okay. So Jim's seen it. We've all seen it. And yeah, so let's get into this. I think we're going to go around first. We'll each give not too long, somewhere between a tweet and a full review's why, worth. Why are you looking of, at me uh, when you say that? <laughs> I know you have a lot of picked <laughs> well, up stuff. Well, I, I want to start this off by saying like, we were kind of right in that the, the yeah. trailers had a very hard, hard job, job of trying yeah. to sell this movie while keeping 
you know, a lot of the secrets yeah. and twists. Like, and it's not it's not a stretch to say from the very moment this movie starts, yep. there are spoiler-worthy things yeah. happening that, like, we can't even tell you in this section. So I'll go through and just say, yeah, I mean, what Jim said, I was, I put this on Twitter and somehow still got attacked for it, that I was pleasantly <laughs> surprised by how fun and kind of quirky and cute and, you know, interesting and thrilling this movie was. Um it's a hard thing to describe because of the nature of the story. Mm. It was it, it was a very difficult tightrope, and I give a lot of respect to the directors and to Brie Larson because the way they chose to approach the story is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's kind of an origin story without being an origin story because it doesn't. I mean, there is exposition and stuff, but like. It's a lot of uh, implication more than actual exposition. Like, there's a lot of work your brain has to do to put pieces together and kind of formulate what this all is. And there's still questions and stuff that are opened up from it while still delivering you a story that feels like you get to know a character in a world. And it all kind of works. And they walk that tightrope. They kind of get a little wobbly at times, but Mm -hmm. they make it through. And like I said, Brie Larson has a tough job in this because she has to play this very personality-driven character who's being kind of like, it's not a spoiler to say, she's being brainwashed and Mm -hmm. controlled, and so she can't have full access to who she is or her emotions, which is a major part of the story, but she still has to sell this character, and it's a character who, like, is so personal that there's all these flashes of her personality coming out that have to constantly be, like, repressed or rolled back and things like that. And the whole story is about her of kind of just of self-discovery, right, mm-hmm. and self-empowerment. And it was a lot of the stuff we thought with, like, you know, very good, you know, feminist themes. People say it's, like, hollow feminist themes, but I didn't think that. I thought it was very good. And there's a lot of subtle heart in this movie without taking away from the momentum of it and... I think for me, one of the biggest standouts was, was uh, what's her name, Latasha Lynch? Uh, Lashana Lynch. Lashana Lynch um, as uh, what, oh, it's been butchered. Uh, Maria. Maria Rambo. Rambo, yeah. And that whole storyline with her and Carol in the scenes with them together, which were very powerful and kind of just how well, I think, in that scene, like they subtly tell you a lot about Maria without ever having to see this mm-hmm. in just a conversation with her and Carol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just kind of says all this kind of very powerful stuff to her. And shades in both, like you know, their relationship and what it means for both of them as women, and the kind of, and why they were friends, and like mm-hmm. why they were the two type of women to kind of both be in the air force, both be in this kind of friendship, and what kind of little family structure they had, and they do it very well. Like I said, with these kind of real fine brushstrokes that say a lot, but don't drag away from the movie. Because I also loved like a lot of this movie in the Cree world and all that stuff in the world building it did. And I loved all the doors that opened in the MCU. And young Sam Jackson was like, oh, he was great. was great. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this. And this is a movie, and I know that I enjoyed it because this. I want to go back and see it again. Mm-hmm. And for me, what was I think best of all was that it hit this. I was a '90s kid, and that's where I got my movie magic love from. And this hit those marks. It felt like a '90s movie, mm-hmm. especially in the downtown LA and like the second act. That whole thing was like great. It was just kind of classic buddy cop action movie and I loved all that so Captain Marvel um, yeah I'm in for that and uh, I really want to see where Larson takes this character next Um, well and I'll build off that was I just want to say that was a very long tweet (laughs) 
Yeah, Bryce. I said, <laughs> I said, thank you, Jim. I said between a tweet and I said between because a tweet and a I'm gonna get murdered <laughs> if I go that long. Uh, no, no. Uh, building building off of what you said, because I I agree with a lot of that. One of the biggest things for me, I saw all the hate that Brie Larson got mm-hmm. coming into this. She's playing a blank slate, all those things, and and I think uh, without going over the same uh, treads as you, I think you're right. I think she. Because you have to, half this movie is someone struggling with their place in the world. They don't have access to uh, all of those memories. And, and one of the biggest things I think is a credit to the directors, uh, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. They were able to take a big part of Carol's history in the comics has been struggling with her place in the world, struggling with um, emotional ties to her past, her memories. Uh, it's been a, a couple of things that come up like Rogue, taking her memories in the books. Her not, and one of the biggest things is her struggling with emotional ties to memories because she didn't have, she could remember everything, but she didn't actually have any of the emotional contact, Mm -hmm. the tether, right? So what they did here was they put their own spin and worked years of history of issues of her encountering her mother and her father and her brother and them essentially losing their sibling and their child because she doesn't have, she knows that Someone's her mother, but she doesn't know why that matters. She doesn't understand. There's no heart there. And it's because it was stolen from her. And here they tackle that in a very unique way without ever having to go with all the baggage that comes with those storylines in the comics. They found a way to blend that into her origin. That's a really impressive feat. That's years and tons of issues of content that they worked into her origin. And now they don't, they can touch on it if they want in the future, but they kept it very compact. And Larson being able to ride that line. I thought she did a great job. Carol in the books is snarky. She's cocky at times. She's, and she makes mistakes. That's kind of the endearing part about her. And that is conveyed in this movie with, with Larson. One of the biggest surprises to me was, uh, you know, and we're not going to go into spoiler territory, but as far as the way the scrolls were implemented into this movie, mm-hmm. I was so surprised because I, I was looking forward to seeing what they do. I did not expect what ultimately played out, and I was pleasantly surprised. Also, can we just say Goose is I mean, amazing? <laughs> Goose is amazing. I, I, knew, like, I wasn't going to get through the whole thing without talking about Goose. Pork man Matt loves Goose. Gonna, uh, and you have like a million Oh, my cats. God. I'm going to buy all of it. <laughs> I mean, Goose was great. Uh, it was a great character. But I thought, but I thought Bree did a lot, and I was really impressed with how much history they blended in and still told a really nice streamlined origin. Yeah, I think like you could watch this movie twice just to kind of piece together. Yeah the finer points of Carol's origin and like what happened in her past and like how it affected her. Well, that's what yeah. the, the biggest thing that surprised me was the amount of like Ms. Marvel type mm-hmm. history that got crammed into this movie. Cause like from the get go, we just assumed it was going to be all of Kelly Sue DeConnick's work um, with maybe a little bit of stuff, you know, sort of here and there. There's some Claremont stuff in there. Brian Reed, uh, Brian Reed stuff yeah. in there. Like there's a, a, a ton of her pre Captain Marvel you know, comics history in this movie. And so from like, you know, one of the things as as comic fans that we love about these Marvel movies is, you know, being able to spot all that stuff and see where, you know, how all this, you know, the stuff that we grew up reading and loved influenced, you know, the live action sort of adaptation of it all. And I think this movie nailed it in that, in that regard. Um, I was way more of a fan of, uh, the buddy cop angle, um, you know, between uh, Carol and Nick than than I thought I was going to be, and it was a way bigger part of the movie than I than I thought it was going to be. Um, 
it, it's a movie that Brie Larson basically played two characters in. Um, and inevitably at the end you get, you know, like a black and white cookie, you know, it, it's one full thing um, that's just at the end great. And so it, the biggest question I have more is, does a second Captain Marvel movie take place in a present day post Endgame world, or does it take or does it take place in a period of time somewhere before that? Yeah, I mean that's going to be a big question for all of us, and I think we'll just move into spoiler territory, and maybe we'll start with that one. Yeah. that's a good place to start. So, nice. if you're listening, we are going to be moving for the last part of this discussion. We've gone through in our non-spoiler, but we're going to do a full spoiler breakdown of Captain Marvel. If you don't want to hear it, if you haven't seen the movie yet, pause please, and come back. Go yep. see the movie. Pause, come back, come back later. I, I think we're going to timestamp it for you so you can see this and where it all kind of fits in. But um, yeah, so this is full spoilers. If you don't want to be spoiled. Just hit pause, come back when you've seen the movie, and see if you kind of agree with our full breakdown, because we want to get into it. So, last last alert. Spoiler alert! Here we go. <laughs> so, yes, let's start. Okay, so the movie ends, and we basically, to kind of take what you both are saying, the biggest, one of the biggest twists in the movie is that the scrolls are not bad guys mm-hmm. in this. They, are, they don't have the capability. They are just basically like refugees and scattered who are trying to just survive while the Kree are actually trying to wipe out the last of them. So it was kind of misleading to say this movie was the Kree Skull War because it's kind of like the Skrulls are really down. Think, yeah, it's not even a war. <laughs> it's not even a war anymore. It's yeah. like an extermination. Like, yeah. I mean, Ronan's literally just going with ships and trying to like bomb the hell out of the last of the Skrulls yeah. everywhere they find them. Like, and so... Talos, the guy played by Ben Mendelsohn, is actually just trying to find his family. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, he's, he's great Holy in this. Moly. Very funny and personable <laughs> kind of guy. And I mean, probably the best guy in like green alien makeup. Oh my god. To me, god. it feels like like this is the most like Ben Mendelsohn a character that I think like if, if I were to meet Ben Mendelsohn in real life, I would expect him to be. Yeah, I, I mean, same that, here. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, he, I mean, so he's just trying to find his family and, and, like, his, like, clan or however. I mean, he has a real nuclear family, but also his clan. He's he's a very kind of, you know, scrawled, loving guy, and he's trying to just save the last of his people and steal this light warp engine so he can get to some region of the galaxy where the Kree won't reach them. And so, basically, at the end, Carol kind of has to find out that, yeah, you know, yon Rog betrayed her and killed... The real Marvel, who was Annette Benning. Oh flip. my god! Can't wait for this. Loved yeah. it. Marvel's a girl in the MCU. So. Oh, suck it! Yeah, and <laughs> Marvel. Um, and Carol blew up the tried to do the noble thing and blow up the warp drive. And this was like, I mean, this is all the classic stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and ended up absorbing. They only say it in one line, which I think people are going to be very confused about. But she absorbed Marvel's power because we don't actually see Marvel ever use power. But mm-hmm. she, I mean, Marvel was unique for some reason that I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll find about later mm-hmm. but um uh, and if you know the comics history you know that so she absorbs this power and then like she just gets gaslit for all her life by the kree and thinking like they made her powerful and like that's what and she's supposed to serve you know the good of them but then she kind of breaks free and now she becomes her own person she chooses to go off with the scrolls to help them find a new home world to kind of populate and survive on and that doesn't explain why she's gone for 20 years because she has we i mean we see she has what kind of close ties she has on earth and, you know, that end scene where she's saying goodbye to kind of Maria and her daughter is, like, really tragic because you're like, man, you ain't coming back for, like, 20-plus years or, or we don't know that Or we don't know that back. she yeah. came back, yeah. But as far as we know, like, Carol doesn't show up again 
until the post credit scene, which was very exciting. We'll just spoil that right now. Is yeah, it might she well. shows up? Yeah, it's <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Right after the decimation, they're in Avengers headquarters. They found Fury's beeper, and they and then they're kind of watching it, and they're still counting all the numbers of people who are gone. And then, like, the beeper turns off, and like they're freaking out, and like Scarlet Witch and Cap, and I think Rhodey's there. They're all freaking out. Like this thing has stopped doing what it's doing. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? And they like turn around, and like a She's horror right movie there. jump scare. Oh, like Carol's God. like right there. And she just is like, where's Fury? And it looks like her outfit's different. Yeah. She looks older. She looks like she's been through some crap, like kind of war-torn or haggard. And like, and she's just like, where's Fury? And that's the end. So yeah, there's a big question like Jim raised. Like, so she goes off with these scrolls to find another home world. And what happens in the tw- like 20 plus years between that moment and where we are now in like mm-hmm. the present day MCU? Did she ever come back and we just don't know? Um, or has she been out in the galaxy doing stuff? Is there a big Kree skull war that continues and how it affected the the Kree Empire, which was very broken up by the time we saw Guardians? Like, did the Skrull Empire rebuild yeah. and yeah. try and the come secret, back? You yeah, know, and go and all of movie. that because that's a big thing. Like you keep waiting waiting for that to happen in the movie, but uh, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn's character doesn't turn yet. But this is like how the Skrulls could have amassed power again mm-hmm. in secret and gathered mm-hmm. together, and then they'll come back eventually. So. Yeah. Yeah, all that happens. Um, well, it's just so interesting, too, because when you see Captain Marvel in the post credit scene, she's got a slightly new costume. Yeah. Right? So, like, where did that come from? Like, is that, you know... And it looks almost like imperial or, or military, like, or the yeah. way it's designed. It, it has, like, kind of gold shoulderings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's real. It says a lot, with like, again, without saying anything at all, really. Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, so the, I mean, the future of this franchise is a big question. I mean, it's probably the biggest question because there is there's so many doors that this movie opens up. Right? I'd be, just, but like the thing that and the thing that I, I it's hate. like Tesseract in Marvel is now a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like basically the storyline is Marvel was a Kree spy, was obviously like a Kree kind of champion. Yep. Hit up, became a spy to look out on Earth and look after. I guess because the Kree had you know investments and settlement and the the Terrigen Mist, all of this stuff is connected. Um, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that, mm-hmm. was spying on us, developed this white warp drive, realized the Kree Empire was wrong and kind of defected and realized to did it to help the Skrulls, was hiding Skrulls on an orbital space station where she somehow got a hold of the Tesseract, yeah. which is another big reveal in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, to make the warp drive, she needed an energy source, which was the Tesseract, um, which makes sense to help you jump through space. You use yeah. Space Stone. Mm-hmm. So, and somehow got that, and now we have to explain how the Tesseract got from <laughs> Howard Stark finding it in the ocean in the 50s yep. to Marvel and up in the space station where it sat till this movie puts it back in Fury's hands where he has it until he kind of opens it and gives it to Selvig with Loki watching his over his shoulder in Thor. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's a, lot, a whole That's thing. a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. It's a lot of ground to cover, which, which is why I would actually be perfectly fine with a sequel that takes place but in see, but between? then, but then, like, is that too? Is that too much? Like Wonder Woman? Here's another. Like, that's does another. I mean, I, I, I guess people, matter, are, people right? are going to naturally draw that conclusion. I would. They're gonna. I mean, frankly, I would Godfather to it, like myself. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I would have Carol having to figure out like things are harder than with these scrolls and what's happening yep. is not quite what she thinks, and like and have it be related to flashbacks of things that mm-hmm. happen. Because I would like to see more from Annette Benning and her time yeah. as Marvell and all yep. that stuff to like whatever she was doing with the Tesseract and this warp drive and like whatever parts we may not know that leads to a bigger Kree scroll war storyline and how Carol maybe shuts down this whole intergalactic conflict resulting in like 
the accusers breaking away from the Korean Empire, which signs the peace treaty by the time Guardians has started and all that stuff. And, you know, her being the force that made all of that happen. Oh my God, what if they make it a Disney Plus show? I mean, that'd be good. Not I'd watch. I'd, I'd watch I mean, that. I'd watch Marvel. I mean, there's like a spy show about an alien. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I'm in. So, like, yeah. So, yeah, we did the scroll turn, um, the Kree reveal, like, yeah, Marvel. And there's uh, so, and there's the so much flirking. <laughs> oh yeah, flirking I'm goose. So happy. I was gonna say, are we gonna? I'm so how much, happy. How much goose are we talking about? Oh here? my god, I'm so and, happy. Yeah, well, ironically, goose is related to something I think will be something controversial to come out of this for like hardcore MCU fans, oh, which abs- is the origin absolutely. story of Fury's, yeah, Fury's eye. eye. Yep. Punch. Because, Ugh. but I think that's for me. I will say, okay, so Fury's eye. You find out throughout the movie they keep playing this gag where you think Fury gets in these fights and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and he gets these injuries, <laughs> and they're like, "How's your head or your eye?" And he's like, "Oh, it's fine." And he just keeps like just getting a couple like little stitches or something. But then at the end, when like everything's over. And like he's just on the ship with the cat. He's holding the cat. He's holding the cat. You don't hold cats like that. (laughs) And like he's just like talking to him. This cat he thinks is his buddy throughout this whole thing. And then the cat just, who's an alien, just scratches him across his eye really badly. And he thinks he's gonna heal up because the cat's a flurkin. Like it doesn't heal, and he he loses his eye. And at the end, he's trying to like pick out a new eye, and he can't make a decision. Of course, we know he's gonna go with the iPad. But I love it because. This movie did a good job, and I think Sam Jackson doesn't get enough credit for just completely changing your paradigm for who this character is. <laughs> I agree, yes. In this, he's like the friendly, kind of jovial, kind of hopeful Nick Fury. He hasn't seen so much crap yet. Like, he's not. And he as said that in interviews, hardened. but I'm going to admit to not yeah. to being like, oh, okay, it's going to be, it'll Jackson, be a little light. Yeah. But no, he was right. He totally changed no, it. No, this is a whole different Nick yeah. Fury. And it's, and it's a really fun Nick Fury. And so, like, it's just, I think I love that, like, he just doesn't ever say anything about this eye. <laughs> <laughs> and he just kind of, like, lets the stories of people who are so scared of him. Because like, yeah. and he's like, oh, you got it because you were being tortured by the Kree. And he's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, you know, and he just lets like, it go. Yeah, it's just like eh. believe what you're gonna believe. Yeah, and then like it's just this whole myth that he has, and it's and it's funny because it's like a secret that only like him, Carol, and like Maria, yeah, know no. for sure, yeah. yeah. And like, a, it's a, a like, I kind of hope it is like a, a weird special feature on like the home release where it's just like stories that Fury's told people about what happened to his eye, just to like oh that would totally be great. Play. Oh, would that, would, that. See, that would be great. That would be like a great. <laughs> thing like a just or just like a short of like shield agents in a mess hall <laughs> yeah. like telling like you know like yeah. the batman episode like i heard like and you could just like mm. do like a little thing of like their virgins dramatized versions of what they think happened to fury yeah. and and again like, giving yeah. credit to the directors of finding new ways to implement stories that we know from the books one of the most memorable sequences with the flurkin has to do with rocket because he's comes on the ship of captain marvel's Captain Marvel ship, and he's the one pointing out that's not what you think it is. In this movie, that's Talos. Yeah. And they kind of switched it up, and he's the one standing like, that's not, no, 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 I don't want to touch that. <laughs> and it's that same back and forth of like, yeah. I told you. Like, I told like you. he's the yeah. only one who knows that this little cat this is not cat. what it is. This you know? dangerous beast with like a pocket dimension in its belly that eats the Tesseract with these massive tentacles that like it spits out of its And he's mouth. got the muzzle, which he has yeah. in the mm-hmm. books. Like, I was, like it, there were so many little touches that, again, just reference, but d- it doesn't have to go overboard. You don't have to do the thing no, scene for, by scene. For long-time fans. Love it. It was, it was yeah, great. I love it. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to just, I mean, just a lot to talk about the MCU, just trying to plot how the Tesseract has bounced around. Mm-hmm. and That was cool. I didn't see that How that coming. stuff cool. could affect Carol because she's, I mean, her powers are basically a superpowered Kree and a, a blast of space stone energy merged together into like one person and what all that means. And yeah, because even at the end, I mean, there's questions like, does she like go warp drive alongside that ship? Like, how does that all work in that last shot? Yeah. When she just flies off into space and like all of that. And how is she back on Earth just like that? Like, you know, all this stuff that this Got movie, lots of questions. Yeah, this movie raises. Good sequel fun. We're going to have a lot of. <laughs> I mean, but, it also, but it also sets Carol up. It does an absolute job of being like, if there was anyone who was going to go toe-to-toe theoretically with Thanos. This would be it. Yeah, this, this, this is the character. You yeah. come out of this movie believing yeah. that, okay, no, I can see how she turns it is, it, is, it is very it. satisfying. This when the I mean the sequence when she finally powers up fully that was and awesome. does that whole nine. I mean, there's just great fight sequences. I mean, they throw it in no doubt, you know, on the which is on this the nose, soundtrack is but it awesome. works for this version of Carol. The like the soundtrack is a little on those, but it works. Yeah. Um and like, yeah, her just kicking and kicking ass and like just taking names and then taking out like a whole armada of of accuser ships and Ronan's just like <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're back, which is one of my favorite lines because because it, it is Ronan like we're coming back for the weapon and they're like sir like what you know the thing the drive no the woman <laughs> yeah like you're like oh man so like yeah so yeah this was a pleasant surprise Captain Marvel I want to see this movie again I really want to see more of Brie Larson's Carol Danvers because I think it's a unique Carol Danvers I think she made her own Carol mm-hmm. Danvers she did and I think it's very good she's funny kind of witty kind of quirky and very cute. Like I love the sequence of her fighting in the ship without her boots for like the whole that time. That was great. Yeah. Because I love I love the physical comedy in this. I'll end just by saying I think it's gonna be underrated, but the physical comedy in this is great. Like mm-hmm. her and her stunt doubles, the amount of times Carol like slams into things, like falls on her ass, slips and like yeah. Like, it just, like, kind of just throws her body in. And that's stuff. her, though. Yeah. Like, that's exactly. why it's, yeah. That's and it's doing all this without her boots on and running around barefoot in a skull ship, just, like, beating somebody with, like, iron things <laughs> on her arms. Which is great. And Brie Larson really pulls that mm. off. Like. I, the last thing I just want to say really quick is, like, having watched the interviews with the directors, I was not anticipating the movie being this funny. Because yeah, I agree. Because I, yeah. I, like, I was watching these, and I was like, they just, they felt like, in interviews, the most non-MCU type directors compared to everyone else we've gotten who's worked, you know, yeah. in the MCU. And so when I saw like just how funny it was, I was like, oh damn. Like yeah. that's I was impressed. <laughs> and like in like James Gunn funny at parts. Like we're right. the offbeat mm-hmm. funny. And Ben Mendelssohn I think gets a lot of credit for that. Just sitting like, around a table. Yeah, that whole people, house scene yeah. in the middle, I think we were talking about there's a scene in the middle where the movie could have completely gone off the rails. It's mm-hmm. a house scene um, yeah, where Carol and them and her team, Fury and Maria, meet up with like Talos, and that's where you learn the scroll turn and the whole secret of that. And that could have gone off the rails, but like Ben Mendelssohn makes it so great with like, and he's even like a science guy reference. Like, <laughs> that, oh, all the science guy. You're supposed great. to be my science guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, science guy. <laughs> but like, yeah, so great humor and stuff. So go see Captain Marvel if you're a Marvel fan. And if you are, why are you still listening to this in spoiler section? But uh, I mean, go see it anyway. <laughs> they may have seen it. Too. They may have seen it last yeah. night. By the time when this one comes yeah. out, yeah. So. Sure but uh, go see it again because I am because I want to see a lot more of the details now that my anticipation's out of the way. Mm-hmm. So that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. Again, if you want to listen to new episodes, you can always find new episodes on the site when we post them. We also have an RSS feed you can subscribe to. You can also go to 
Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and iHeartRadio, and subscribe there. And if you do, leave us a good review. If you want to continue the conversation or let us know anything you thought, like about Captain Marvel or anything else, you can find us on Twitter at the hashtag ComicBookNation, or you can just talk to me at Kofi Outlaw. That's K-O-F-I-O-U-T-L-A-W. Uh, you can hit me up at Matt Mueller CB and at Jim Viscardi. And if you leave us a good review, we will be picking good reviews and reading them on the air. We wanted to do a little bit of Captain Marvel talk today, so I think next week we're going to end the segment and go through like a, we're going to go through a lot of them. So oh, take nice. the weekend, listen, re- leave your review. If you if we read your review on the air, we'll send you a comicbook.com t-shirt. So swag. Yeah, so uh, you get something for basically doing half of nothing, but uh, (laughs) make that half of nothing effort. We appreciate it. This is it. Comic Book Nation. You guys have a good day. We're out. Higher for the faster, baby. Higher for the faster.